welcome to episode 11 of the Lives of the Saints first series, the 1928 BCP Saints. I'm Father Ron Shipley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. In this episode, I pay tribute to St. Peter, whose feast day or holy day is June 29th. The name Peter in Greek is Petros. The Hebrew name was Simon Peter. He was one of two sons of Simon. In the King James Version, he is called Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah. Some modern scholars spell the name as Simeon. In the earliest references to him, he is called by his Hebrew name. But after Jesus' well-known renaming of him in Mark 3, verse 16, he is called Peter by virtually everyone except in the Gospel of St. John, in which nearly always he is still called by his Hebrew name, Simon Peter. The illustration for this and the next slide is a circa 14th to 15th century Byzantine Orthodox icon of St. Peter at Mount Athos, Greece. He is called Cephas, by Jesus in the Gospel of St. John in John 1.42, which is an Aramaic word which means rock, or in many modern translations, a stone. He, is mo he most likely spoke Aramaic, the common language of the first century, among those who did not speak Greek. In Mark 14, verse 70, the high priest recognizes Peter by his strong, quote, Galilean, Unquote, accent, which means one influenced by Aramaic. Like St. Andrew, St. John, and St. James, his occupation was fisherman. The four men with their fathers ran a fishing business on the Sea of Galilee, operating from Capernaum on the western shore and Bethsaida on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. According to St. John's account, St. Peter's hometown was Bethsaida in John 1, verse 44. The illustration is the calling of Peter and Andrew. An opaque watercolor and charcoal on gray wove paper, part of the Life of Christ series by James T. So, drawn between 1886 and 1894 from the collection in the Brooklyn Museum. We know a lot about him from comments made in all four Gospels and in St. Luke's account of the after-Pentecost period in Acts of the Apostles. In the Synoptic Gospels, Peter, excuse me, Jesus is reported healing Peter's wife's mother, which means he was married. That's from Matthew 8, 14 and 15, Mark 1, 30 and 31, Luke 4, 38 and 39. St. Paul's observation in 1 Corinthians 9, 5 concerning the right of apostles to, quote, take along a believing wife in their missionary journeys has long been interpreted as a reference to Peter's wife being with him in his travels. The illustration for this and the next slide is a 14th century relief in stone by the Italian artist Bonino of Milan, from St. Peter's Church at Korkula, Croatia. 
St. Peter was among the three or four most influential figures among the Twelve Apostles. Throughout the Gospel period, he enjoyed a special, close relationship with Jesus, being present at many of the most important events of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. He is often the one who addresses questions and comments directly to Jesus and to whom Jesus speaks directly. Some examples of his preeminence as leader and his relationship with Jesus are presented in the order in which they appear in St. Mark's Gospel, which according to tradition was inspired by St. Peter and may have been written with St. Peter's assistance. For more on the relationship between St. Peter and St. Mark, see episode 7 in this same series honoring the Feast of St. Mark. The illustration for this series of slides is a 10th century mosaic of St. Peter at the Basilica of St. Peter and St. Paul in Agliate in the Lombardy region in northern Italy. With his brother Andrew, he was one of the first two men called to discipleship by Jesus, reported in Matthew 10:2, Mark 1:16, John 6:14, excuse me, Luke 6:14, John 1:40-42 and Acts 1:13. He was with St. James and St. with St. James and St. John, he was one of three men allowed into the house of Jairus with Jesus in Mark 5 verse, verse 37 and was witness to the raising of Jairus' daughter. It was Peter to whom Jesus addressed the question, Who do you say that I am? Reported in Matthew 16, verse 15, Mark 8, 27, and Luke 9, verses 18 to 20. From this incident followed a scene which is reported only by St. Matthew. After St. Peter's identification of Jesus as the Son of God in Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus said, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. On the basis of this quotation, recalling that Peter's name in Aramaic means rock, the Christian symbol of St. Peter is a key, as is shown in the stone relief in the previous slides and in the mosaic in this series of slides. Roman Catholic theologians claim this declaration as acknowledgment of and divine appointment of St. Peter as the first bishop of Rome. Protestant and Eastern Christian theologians interpret the declaration as meaning faith such as that declared by St. Peter in verse 16, is the rock on which the church is built. Eastern Orthodox theologians recognize Rome as a sister church. For more on the controversy from the perspective of the Eastern Christian tradition and written with the educated laity in mind, see The Primacy of Peter, a series of essays edited by John Meyendorf and published by St. Vladimir Seminary Press in 1992, and available at bookstores and through Amazon.com. In earlier episodes in this series, I spoke of the traditional understanding that St. Andrew was the founder of the See of Byzantium, later called Constantinople, St. Mark the founder of the See of Alexandria, St. Thomas as the founder of the Church in India, 
St. Paul, a co-founder of the city of Antioch, and St. Barnabas as founder of the church on Cyprus. So, too, in this same tradition, St. Peter is acknowledged as the founder of the See of Rome. Continuing the discussion of St. Peter's leadership among the apostles and his presence at major events, here are some more incidents. With St. James and St. John, he was one of three allowed to witness the Transfiguration, recorded in Matthew 17, 1-9, Mark 9, verses 2-13, and Luke 9, 28-36. On Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration, he spoke directly to Jesus concerning the making of the three tabernacles, but his offer was not taken up because it was interrupted by the voice from heaven. St. Peter later wrote about the experience in 1 Peter 5, 1, and 2 Peter 1, 16-18. He asked Jesus about forgiveness, and in so doing demonstrated a legalistic disposition, even though he was not trained in the law of Moses. He said, Lord, how often shall I at my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus' answer also relied upon the understanding of the number seven, as Peter had done. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven, in Matthew 18, verse 22. For more on the Hebrew and early Christian understanding of numerology, see episode two in the AIC Bible study series, Revelation and Idealist Interpretation, using the direct link on the Bible study page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net or later this year, you can read the primer on numerology in the companion book to the series of the same name, which will be available from our virtual bookstore, https colon slash slash www.amazon.com slash author slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. St. Peter's reputation for having an impetuous disposition is strengthened by the question he asked Jesus in Matthew 19, verse 27. See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? As was nearly always the case, Jesus used the answer to give not just Peter, but all the apostles reassurance and doctrinal instruction as they approached the time of the entry into Jerusalem. And once again, as in Matthew 18.22, when he used the magical number seven, he alludes to another magical number well understood in the first century and used frequently by St. John in Revelation, that is the number twelve. Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or family or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and inherit eternal life. That's Matthew 19, verses 28 and 29. 
The illustration for these two slides is a Byzantine mosaic of St. Peter, probably from somewhere between the 6th to the 9th century. According to the account in Mark 13, verse 3, St. Peter was one of only four, with Saints James, John, and Andrew, who was with Jesus on the Mount of Olives to ask and receive the answer to two questions. When will these things be, and what will be the sign? According to church tradition, the Gospel of St. Mark was written with the help and instruction of St. Peter. At Jesus' command, St. Peter, with St. John, played a primary role in the preparation for the Last Supper. Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat, from Luke 22, verse 8. He was one of three with Saints John and James, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on Monday, Thursday, reported in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like the others, he fell asleep and was admonished by Jesus, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The illustration is a stained glass window by Mayer of Munich from the AIC bookstore publication Paintings on Light, the stained glass windows of St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, available from our virtual bookstore, https, right slash, right slash, www.amazon.com, right slash, author, right slash, Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. St. Peter's impetuous disposition was demonstrated once again in the well-known incident at the Last Supper in which Jesus prophesied that St. Peter would deny him three times, reported in all four Gospels. And the actual denials later that same night and the following day, which are uniquely discussed in the Gospel of St. John in John 18, verse 17, 25 to 27. For more on this and the special relationship between St. John and St. Peter, discussed only in the Gospel of St. John, see episodes 40, 42, 44, and 45 in the AIC Bible Study Series, New Testament Gospels and Epistles. St. Peter was the first to enter the empty tomb after the resurrection, but only because he pushed past St. John to be the first, reported in John 20, verses 1 to 10. St. John gives us a unique account of the restoration of St. Peter to his leadership position, which seemed in question after the three denials. And you'll find that in John 21, verses 15 to 21. For more on the details, see episode 40 in New Testament epistles and gospels mentioned in the previous slide. After the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, St. Peter made the first speech of the new church, recorded in detail in Acts 2, verses 13 to 40. His vision of food descending in a sheet with the famous phrase, kill and eat, settled the issue of whether Jewish food laws were applicable to Christians. That's from Acts 10, verses 9 to 16. He played a major part in the Council of Jerusalem in 49 AD, which extended the church to the Gentiles and settled the issue of circumcision for Gentiles, and you'll find that account in Acts 15, verses 6 to 29. 
After this appearance in St. Luke's account of his part at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, we hear no more of St. Peter. The rest of what we know about St. Peter comes from tradition. St. Peter was in Rome, where he was joined by St. Mark, who wrote the first gospel in the order of actual composition, targeted toward readers in the Roman world. He wrote two canonical epistles, first and second Peter, between 49 A.D. and his death around 64 A.D. Apocryphal writings attributed to him and rejected by the church are the preaching of Peter, the gospel of Peter, Acts of Peter, Apocalypse of Peter, and the epistle of Peter to James. According to tradition, St. Peter died at Rome during the reign of the emperor Nero. According to the epistle of Clement to the Corinthians, published around 84 A.D., he was crucified at his own request upside down, symbolic of his unworthiness to die in the same manner as Christ. Later, early church authors, including Tertullian, repeated the same claim. Church tradition says that the relics of St. Peter are buried in two places. Most are buried at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, built in the 16th century on the site of several previous basilicas on the level directly below the main altar, which is seen in the illustration. According to Roman Catholic tradition, the top of the skull of St. Peter is buried within the Archbasilica of St. John Lateran in Rome, the cathedral church of the Roman Catholic Church. Finally, there is St. Peter's contribution to our understanding of Christian spirituality. In his second epistle, he wrote this in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, concerning the proper relationship between man and God. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other works, he suggests that this partaking of the divine nature could not be an easy single act, but was a continuing process. In the same epistle quoted in the previous slide, in verses 5 through 11, he was among the first in the church to compile a list of Christian virtues, including faith, virtue itself, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. For more on these topics, see the entries Virtue, Knowledge, and Wisdom in Layman's Lexicon and the entry Apostolic Wisdom in Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective, both of them available at our virtual bookstore, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. The Collect for St. Peter, uh, for the Feast of St. Peter, was written by Archbishop Cranmer based upon John 21, verse 15. Almighty God, who by thy Son Jesus Christ did give to thy Apostle St. Peter many excellent gifts, commandest him earnestly to feed thy flock, 
Make, we beseech thee, all bishops and pastors diligently to preach thy holy word, and the people obediently to follow the same, that they may receive the crown of everlasting glory through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In the Anglican tradition in America, St. Peter is commemorated in the special verses for the hymn from All the Saints in Warfare, written in 1864 by Horatio Alger, uh, excuse me, Horatio Nelson, and published with the 1892 hymnal, and sung to the familiar tune, Aurelia. Praise for thy great apostle, the eager and the bold. Thrice failing, yet repentant, thrice charged to keep thy fold. Lord, make thy pastors faithful to guard their flocks from ill, and grant them dauntless courage and humble, earnest will. The music was performed by Richard Irwin, whose website is www.hymnswithoutwords.com. If you'd like a PDF of all four pages of the hymn, please send an email request to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. Thank you for joining me for episode 11 in the Lives of the Saints first series, the 1928 BCP Saints. Episodes from this series, as well as those from other teaching videos and seasonal videos, are or will be available on our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com right slash C right slash St. John C with Saints spelled out, or a better way by using the episode links at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net on the digital library page. Bible study videos are linked from the Bible study page at the same site. I also invite you once again to visit our virtual bookstore, Historical Prayer, Teaching, and Other Publications at amazon.https colon right slash, and remember to put the S after HTTP, www.amazon.com slash author slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Just as a reminder, 100% of all book royalties are contributed to the AIC ministry. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.